0: You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Podcast. And be sure to visit CollectedPodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 20 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I'm really excited um, to bring you a conversation with Caitlin Fiedler. She's an author of the book, What Now? Finding Renewed Life in Christ After Loss. And if you're watching the video, here's the beautiful cover of her book. Um, And so Caitlin, welcome to the show. Hey, Jess. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. Um, And I have read your book and um, couldn't get through it with a dry eye. So I'm very honored and humbled to have you on the show and to give space to share your story with our listeners. Um, So as we get started, I wondered if we always start with how you came to know the Lord. So I wonder if we could just kind of start there with your childhood and coming to know Christ for the first time.
1: Yes, I would love to start there. So I grew up in a family of very strong Christian family. Um can't remember ever not hearing about the Lord or uh can't remember a time where he wasn't a part of my home and my family life. Um I was the second to youngest of six kids and my Mom homeschooled all of us, and my dad worked in the Christian camp um, setting. He worked for Young Life when I was little, and then um, the Billy Graham Training Center when um, I got a little bit older. And so the first eight years of my life were um, just a sweet, sweet childhood. Um, the Lord was so present in my parents' Um lives in how they the all the decisions they made how they parented how they um, what they taught us just our daily life schedule and um, they just oriented their life around um, their purpose in the Lord and um, who God had called them to be and so I became a Christian when I was six years old. Um, The tender age of six, I said a prayer with my dad and he explained just the basics of what it meant to live um, a life for God and what it meant to ask Jesus to come live inside your heart and um, how that should change every part of your life from then on, how you think, the decisions you make. Um, You know, so I remember just learning about the basics of christianity and jesus at that age um what it meant to how to read your bible and like just small decisions like um honoring my parents and getting along with my siblings not lying about things just um the basic childhood you know lessons that we learn um about god so Uh, one funny thing that I look back on now is the first verse that my parents taught all kids to memorize was Matthew 6, 6, which says, and when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so teaching six kids every morning to go into their room and close the door and read their Bible and pray <laughs> for 30 minutes. <laughs> I think my parents just wanted a moment of silence to start. Yes. Their day.
0: Yeah. But they were I'm smart. So for that.
1: Yes, they were smart, but, um, uh, I'm so thankful for that because it really did instill just a habit of reading the Bible every morning. And, um, we all did it. It was just a part of our daily routine, all the kids and my parents as well. And so I kind of, um, grew up in my early childhood years learning that time with God and a relationship with God was super important and a very, um, just of the utmost importance. Um, in our walk in our life in our day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um in your book you talk about getting baptized and your dad baptized you at a very young age too. You're like 7 or 8 maybe. Um mm-hmm. and that was just a really touching story cuz you've mentioned a few times, you know, your early life up until the age of 8. So, if you could share with our listeners what happened when you were 8 that changed the whole course of your life? Yeah, so uh, the summer of
1: 2000, my dad actually did baptize me in a lake um, and it was just a very special, sweet time. So we had a girl staying with our family from Belarus who was a part of a relief program. They were receiving medical help and things like that from the U.S. And then they were um, staying for the summer and then they were to return back home and so one of these girls was staying with our family and um the baptism was it was a time for those girls to get baptized and uh, receive the Lord um in their life as well and so I got to be a part of that um And get baptized along with all these girls who were over here staying with different families. So that was very special. But um, just a few weeks probably after that, my family and I were on our way to the beach to show this girl staying with us at the beach for the first time because she had never been to the beach before. And so we loaded up the car, all six kids, this girl, her friend who was also coming with us on that trip as well, and um, my parents. And we were on our way. We were traveling from Asheville, North Carolina to the coast of South Carolina. And we were maybe about halfway through our trip when um, we were hit by a cargo van traveling the opposite direction from us. He lost, he blew a tire and lost control of steering and just crossed over the grassy median um, between the two highways and hit our car head on. And that accident took the lives of my parents and four of my siblings and one of the girls in the car with us from Belarus as well. So myself, my brother, and the other girl from Belarus who was on the trip with us were the only survivors of the accident.
0: As if someone who is listening to that and hearing just the, the grief of that, um, what happened next in your life? You had that early relationship with the Lord. Um. So I guess... How, as you began to process that, and as your life changed, were there any ways that you saw God show up for you that carried you through the next season? Yes, absolutely. That is
1: such a great question. I and I love answering it um, <laughs> because, It is so unexplainable the ways that God did show up for me in those early years. And I try to put it into words, but it really is unexplainable. (laughs) So I'll do my best. But um, because I had accepted Christ, so... A little bit about right after the accident, I learned about um, what happened in the hospital. I woke up days later and then my brother and I then went on to live with our aunt and uncle um, and their two daughters and they raised us from that point on. And so I moved homes, moved to uh, started school, moved um, to a new church, new state, just everything in my life looked completely different. But it is so unexplainable um, the way that God held me as a child in those early years. And one of the huge things that I'm actually just now learning as I think back on that time is how the supernatural world played a part in my life without me even knowing it um just the way the spirit was so present and fighting off um the dark in my life and so you know as i've talked about it this is actually a very new revelation for me and so i'm just going to share it with you on this podcast today because um as i've talked about it in the past I have just described things like um, lots of different elements playing a part in my healing journey. And um, it is true that community and prayer and um, medical help and, you know, exercise and playing a showing attention to mental health and friends and all those things and church, like all those things came together and played a huge role in my healing journey. But what I really haven't talked a lot about is the Holy Spirit and the Mm -hmm. Spirit healing me. And so I kind of want to go there today if we can. I would love that. Okay. Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, thank you. So just what I've come to learn is I love to think about in those early years of being an eight-year-old girl and knowing the Lord at an early age and having the Holy Spirit live inside my life um, from two years prior, from six, from the age of six, and then just the seed that grew Um since then in my relationship with the Lord and I loved a picture so when my family died death became a part of my life yeah. it became a reality in my life Um I had never thought about death really before Uh didn't ever think about that happening you know who could and So all of a sudden I had to live with this idea and this reality of death and loss. And so there were dark moments of grief and hopelessness and desolation. And so with death, darkness was a part of my life Mm -hmm. too. But... As an eight-year-old girl, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't make anything better or have control of any part of my life. I was completely helpless. But I liked to picture, and I think this is a biblical image, that the Holy Spirit in the spiritual realms was fighting off the evil spirit and mm-hmm. the darkness on my behalf yeah because i was helpless i couldn't do anything but go to god in prayer and just say help me yeah i don't know what else to do you know i need you god i need you help me like this is the state i'm in this is my situation i know you're real because i've learned about you you know for the past 2 years i've read your word i've prayed to you i've seen this example lived out From my family, my parents. And so I knew God was real in my heart and in my head. But for Him to carry me and to just give me that life of His grace and His, like, the true life change that I had even in the midst of that loss and this and that darkness is only explainable by the Holy Spirit living inside me and sliding off when I'm completely, you know, crying out to God, like, where do I turn? And it could have gone very badly. It could have gone where death could have taken a hold of my life and could have led me down a dark path and the path of this world. Yeah. You know, and Satan could have used that situation to, in my life circumstance that I was in, to grab a hold of me and to bring me over to his side that there is no hope and there's, and God isn't real and this. Horrible thing that you've gone through and, you know, you're mine now. And he could have used that. And so I do think that there were times where he was fighting for my life. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit fought for me. And, like, that idea just gives me chills yeah, and just... Me too. About him. <laughs> fighting for my life and for... Yeah my eternal life and for my salvation, you know, because all I knew was this much about the Bible and about prayer and about God. I was only eight years old. I was a young girl. I didn't know that much, but I knew he was there. And so since then, I guess just those early years and then the years that followed like that is the best way that I can verbalize how I am who I am today and how my life has gotten to this place of just this unexplainable supernatural trust in the Lord and living out these years and these moments and this life like year by year and day by day up until now, it's only explainable through the Holy Spirit and the fact that he's alive in us. He lives in us and he takes our grief and our loss and he, without us even, Knowing what's happening, he does the work for us and on our behalf and in front of us and he paves the way and he makes our lives new. And so, anyways, that is just something that I'm really leaning on and just diving into is the reality of the work of the spirit in our healing journeys and he, yes, he gives us all these amazing tools and people and the prayer warriors that have just fought for me on my my behalf. But, you know, up until recently, I really haven't given a lot of um, credit, a lot of credit, I guess, to the spirit and to his life changing work that can happen. Um, And so, You know, that's just what I long for now in other people's lives. Like, it's hard for me to explain it in my own life, but I know it's true because when I go to the radio and turn on those praise songs or, you know, tell Alexa to play those praise songs, Mm -hmm. praise and worship songs in our house with my kids, like those songs that just had the lyrics, like we're praising God because we were lost and because Mm -hmm. We were prodigals and we were wanderers. And because of what God's done in our life, we can praise Him. And we're not just saying the words like, I can sing those lyrics because I've lived that truth. I've lived that reality in my life to be real and to be so unexplainable other than God and the Spirit doing the work in my life and so I feel so like I've heard many times throughout my journey of just people saying you're so strong you're so strong you're so strong and I really feel completely helpless (laughs) because I've done nothing without the Lord I've done nothing like he has just Given me every word and every decision, and every good thing in my life has come completely through his healing and his work in my life. And so, mm-hmm. I am completely helpless, but I just depend on the spirit and I depend on God's work in my life. And so, now I just have such a passion for others to experience that too, you know, so that they don't hear the songs and just think that doesn't mean anything for me, but that they can sing those lyrics and sing those songs and say, yes, I know that to be true for me too, because I've lived the life-changing life and I felt the life-changing emotions that can only come from the Lord. Yeah.
0: Wow, that was so good. When you described, you know, this vision of the Holy Spirit just fighting off the darkness, I feel like somebody out there listening needed to know that. Like, if you're out there feeling the weight and the helplessness of walking through a season of extreme darkness, the Holy Spirit is pushing it back and fighting on your behalf and when you're in Christ, you have the power of the risen savior who conquered death inside of you. And that's where all of our hope is found, you know, and I think someone just needed that reminder today. And I my next question would be then kind of along those lines what hope or encouragement would you have for that person who's walking through a season of darkness and struggling to trust that God is good when such hard things happen? Mm, Yes. I would say...
1: There's so many things that I could say (laughs) to keep it (laughs) succinct. First, I would just encourage you to go to God with all of your hard emotions and questions. I think that in this culture of the U.S., our country that we live in, it's really become somehow, it has become like a faux pas or you know socially unacceptable to show our deep intense emotions Mm. and you know we have to just like dribble some tears grab a kleenex you know tidy up like just keep it together keep it all buttoned up zipped up like everything fixed like don't show too much emotion and you know what I really want to fight is I I just want to fight that idea. Like we are made to have these intense emotions and to wail. You know, what does it look like to wail and to scream and to cry and to like be that, like to know and to give ourselves permission to know that it's okay to show those intense emotions and you know with that comes and I think that's all all what we long to do when we experience loss when we experience really really difficult situations we naturally long for the freedom to scream you know to but where can we feel comfortable screaming like there's nowhere (laughs) <laughs> no, we have to scream our pillows. We have to scream like inside and keep it in. But anyways, that's another rant. But so to give yourself permission to go to God with those, our deepest, deepest grief. And our anger and to scream and cry and ask him, give those things to him, ask him to take those things away, you know, cry out to him, ask for healing, ask for, show him that you're angry. Um, We see examples all through the scripture of people showing that emotion. And so I think that's the first step is to... Give yourself permission and go to God and know that it's okay to do so, that He is there. He wants us to come to Him. Um, Because who else can we turn to, you know? And so when we do that, when we let ourselves be that open and that vulnerable with God. And hopefully with others around you in community of trusted people that you can, like physical p- bodies, you know, other people that you know that you can go to who will be there for you and not call you crazy. You know, if you go to them and show that kind of emotion with them, people that will just hold you and care for you and let you cry with them. You know, we need people like that, but we definitely need to go to God. Um And so doing that, I think, opens this door for healing to take place. And so, you know, once we call it out and show, like, I guess, address that, what we're going through and address that, okay, it is hard and I do need to cry about these things and I do need you know, to our Lord and I need to ask for help for what I'm going through, Um, then the healing can begin to take place because it's out there, you know, and um, trust comes slowly in the Lord, you know, Mm -hmm. that trust of allowing him to Use what you've gone through. You know, maybe not initially, you're not going to be thinking like God's going to use this circumstance for good. You know, I know He's in control. I know He's got it. I just need to trust Him. Like initially, we're just angry and we're sad and we can't think beyond that. But after we've allowed ourselves just the time and the space to grieve, which I think, like, I think other countries some other countries do that a lot better with like allowing the time that we need for grieving. But, um, and there's not like a timeline for that, but I think it's a lot longer and I think it's a lot more intense than what we in the U S in our culture say is acceptable. Hmm. So then later on, you know, whenever you have allowed yourself that time. Just the truths of the scripture start to reveal themselves to be true. Um, That. The Holy Spirit is at work and he is bringing healing and, you know, Romans eight twenty eight in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according for his purpose. Um, I know for me, that verse became, it proved itself to be true within time, within years of healing, um, that in all things, God does work for the good of those who love him and who are going to him and who are trusting in him. Um, it's not just like a fortune cookie, you know, there was this, you know, and all things got to work, work together for good, but it takes us moving towards him in trust, in love, in prayer, in crying out to him so that, you know, so that he, we can open up the space and the cracks in our lives for him to come into and for him to do the healing work and the restoration and through us opening up to him and through him entering in, then comes the relationship of trust of, okay, you know, you've come in, you've healed these parts of my life. Now I can trust you with whatever else comes, whatever else hard things in the future, you know, tomorrow, Uh, something else happens in a year, something else happens. This person I love, this friend, you know, has passed or um, I've gone through this horrible work change or I've lost my job or I've gone through a divorce or I've lost a child or um, these huge, just really any feelings of loneliness, any feelings of change or big life changes of, a move or, you know, feelings like I'm going through something where I feel so alone and no one else can understand because we all go through, whether you've experienced a loss or not, we've all go through these times of feeling alone. And so we can all relate to that feeling of what it feels like to be alone. And so giving each and every one of those moments to God And going to him and going to trusted community and allowing him and feeling and experiencing him taking that situation and using it for good. Like I was talking about earlier, taking that situation, fighting off the enemy, doing the work of the spirit and using it for good. And so that through seeing that and through living that comes just this trust of it doesn't matter what else comes my way of what else I experience in life, no matter how hard, no matter how des- desolate I may feel or this circumstance may feel. I know that the Lord is the only one, mm-hmm. the only unchanging thing, though everything else may change around us. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's El Olam, the everlasting God. Even in the chaos, he remains the same. It's one of my favorite yeah. names of God. That is so good and encouraging and beautiful. I and I we are almost out of time, which blows my mind because I've had like a million other questions I wanted to ask. So maybe do we have a little more? Can we go just a little longer? Oh, do yeah. You a little more time. Okay. Um, a
1: little more. I'm gonna good.
0: Okay, yes, because I also like I feel like you have so much wisdom and you've walked through so much hardship, and so what um, what might you tell someone who's experiencing that grief and loss right now, or what would you tell the people around them? Like how can we best support each other when someone's walking through that grief? These are kind of two different questions. Yes, love that. Um,
1: so there are also so many things I could get with that question too, but. Um.
0: You have one minute to tell us how to help each other in grief. Go, no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding.
1: I know, I need like five hours with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, listeners,
0: that's why you have to go buy her book because we are scratching the surface and Caitlin has so much insight and wisdom and just the way she communicates and writes in this book is so beautiful and powerful and encouraging. And so we only have time to scratch the surface, but I'll put the link to her book. And so go buy it and get even more from Caitlin. Um, Okay. So there's my plug for you. (laughs) But yes, community. Oh,
1: Like I was saying earlier, we need community just to, we need to feel the freedom within biblical community to grieve and to share all of our emotions, to share our anger with and to, um, you know, just lean on people when we just don't have the strength ourselves, when we're just about to fall over um, people to literally hold us up and to be that stability for us to be that um, those just mothers and fathers of biblical mothers and fathers around us to be our community of support. Um, And so the biggest thing, just practical, I'll get very practical, um, helping each other is to like going over to homes when something has happened is huge and just not being too in a hurry, um, with our own busyness and our own lives to really give that person who has lost someone or that person in need, um, your time. So, you know, listening to them on the phone and just being an ear, um, just being quiet and letting them share, um, you know, not bombarding them with advice or just words, or you know, the cliche like they're in a better place, everything happens for a reason, like all those things, you know, that we that we say to try to just like fill the quietness, to fill mm-hmm. the space, to try to make, but that really doesn't help them or make anything feel better. Um, so I think people just need. your presence. So whether on the phone or just going over there and sitting with them in silence and crying with them and hugging them and just being available. Um, and then down the road, you know, still being there, it's not like, okay, I've written my card. I've gone over, I've left a meal and I'm good. Like they've, they'll get over it. They just need time. But, you know, um, All those things are great, but it's better to do something than to do nothing. So do something, but, um, remember them down the road. So, you know, like six months, one year, two years, five years later, um, the most like that means so much. And I now to this day, like I have people I know that have lost, um, a loved one and I have to like write it in. Cause we don't remember to like contact those people, but I have to write it in my calendar, like a reminder, like, okay, this is the anniversary of the loss. I need to call them or write them a letter or text them. And so just being intentional, I would say with those people, you know, who are in your circle who have lost, um, making a note on your calendar to call them or to write them or to visit them, you know, once a year on the anniversary or on that person's birthday or whenever, just to like ask them how they're doing. You know, they, just because it's been five years doesn't mean that they've moved on.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The loss is still there. And so to remember them and to remember that they're still grieving and that loss is still present in their life and it will never go away. And so um, returning back to ask them like how they're doing and if they need anything. And so, you know, down the road, there might be things like making a scrapbook with the person or, you know, there's things that that person, say it's a widow and their husband died, like they don't, they're alone now. And so they don't want to be doing things, maybe they don't want to go to the gravesite by themselves or um go out to eat at their husband's favorite restaurant by themselves. So yeah. they need friends and that community to do those things to walk through that loss with them. So, you know, volunteering to be that person, like I'll go to the gravesite with you, I'll do this scrapbook with you. I'll help you, you know, clean things out of the house, like whatever. Just they need help because they don't have the energy to do those things on their own. So anyways, those are just some ideas, but there's so many ideas of how you can wrap around those people, but just being intentional about that. Mm,
0: That's good. So my final question is what would you like to leave us with today? What, what did I miss? I mean, I know there's so much, but, what is the Holy Spirit putting on your heart for a final word of hope or encouragement or just a final thought? Okay.
1: um, I'd love to share just about the title of my book as a final thought. Yeah, Um, that's great. Okay. So the question, what now, has just been monumental in my whole perspective on life. And so that's why I titled my book, What Now? Because at some point in my healing journey, God just revealed to me that question because for so long I had asked why, why me? You know, why did this happen? Like, it's not fair, just why? And I could not get past that. I was feeling stuck asking that question. And I think so many of us can't get past that question. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, why does God take these amazing Christian people um, from us? And none of them, you know, why does God take our babies? Like none of it makes sense. And so we just get stuck asking why. And I think that's an initial question. You know, we have to ask that question and we have to go to God with that question. But within time for me, God gave me the question, what now? Because I knew I couldn't stay living in why my whole life Mm, because it was just keeping me. It was keeping me stuck in my own circumstance. Why me? Why this? Why them? And I just, I was living with that question and I wasn't getting anywhere. I was feeling, you know, just hopeless, stuck in that question and circling it back around to myself all the time. And so, but the you know, I wrestled with the idea of why for so long and the, I I knew that we don't just move on with grief. Um, We don't just move on in life and forget our loved ones and forget what we're going through. But so anyways, through thinking about moving forward instead of moving on
0: Mm.
1: gave me this question. What now? Because I have to move forward in life in light of what happened even in even with this loss I'm carrying and so what now became just how can I move forward in light of my story and what happened when I was a child and so um, it was just kind of opening the door and opening the palms of my hands, carrying my, my circumstance to God and saying, what now? Yeah. How, what would you have for me in life in the future? Um, and so asking that question just reoriented my perspective. So I wasn't looking inward anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was looking outward. I was looking towards God. What now? Yeah. And I was looking to others, how can I help others through what I've been through? And so it was just, it was a whole new perspective for me. So I longed, I just want to share that with you because um, any listeners, I long for that question to be your story too, asking what now rather than why? And what does God have for you in your loss and in your hard place?
0: Mm, that's so good. Caitlin, thank you so much for being on today and for being so vulnerable to share your story with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. The Collective Podcast is sponsored in part by Beauty Counter. Use the link in our show notes to shop for all of your clean beauty needs, and 10% of the profits will go directly back to benefiting the podcast. Also, use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off of your first purchase. I loved that conversation with Caitlin. And um, to wrap up today, I wanted to read a little excerpt from her book. Uh, She says, for Christians, she's talking about Christians. you know, when you go through trauma, you often do have like a flight or a fight response. And so she says, For Christians, this fight or flight also man itself manifests itself in a spiritual way. When we go through hard times as Christians, we seem to either draw nearer to God, clinging to Him for help, fighting for what is good and right and true, or run further away from Him in despair. Have you ever thought about this? Why do so many people suddenly turn to God when they're suffering and others fall away? The short answer is those who fall away do not have a deep-rooted belief in their hearts that God is enough. Whatever their suffering is, God is not enough to provide for them. So as a result, they turn to their own means in order to find satisfaction, comfort, and fulfillment. On the other hand, those who move toward God in their desperate, be- in their despair, believe that he is the only one who is strong enough to carry them in their suffering. Maybe they've tried to turn to anything else they can only to conclude that nothing else can save them from their pain. In their grief, they turn to God and find solace in him because he is the only one who can truly understand the hurt. He's the only one who can save us from our circumstances. Um, She goes on to talk about how the saving us from our circumstances doesn't mean He changes the circumstances or He takes them away or He takes away the pain, but instead He enters into it with us. And it is His presence that will carry us through. And I just think that is so beautiful and powerful and life-changing. And so today I want to challenge you and encourage you to take a step toward believing that God is enough that his presence is all we need in this life even when everything else seems to be crumbling that he's the everlasting god he's our refuge our source of strength our comfort um in times when comfort doesn't make worldly sense he can still provide peace and comfort and so lean into him rest in him today and ask that question of what now. Have that mind shift from instead of why me to what now, God? What are you going to do with this? And I just pray that he blows your mind with his answer that it's so much more beautiful and healing than you could ever have imagined on your own. So I am going to leave you with that today. I hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you back here next time. Bye! Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries.